DJ and PK brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Join the big show Friday at The Warehouse from 2 to 6. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! Time to welcome in Evan Barnes, Memphis Grizzlies beat writer for the Commercial Appeal. Evan, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are y'all doing today? Well, there's a lot of stress about the Jazz in these parts, and it got heightened by what happened in Game 1. Did that... Lighten the mood in Memphis? Did it surprise Grizzly fans? Are there now expectations and pressure that weren't there before? How's that, how's that game one win playing in Memphis? I think a lot of people are pretty excited. I mean, I think everyone kind of knew this was going to be a tough series going in. They, you know, kind of expected the Grizzlies to be, you know, kind of happy to be there. And then all of a sudden, game one started out like it was going to be the case of fatigue and tired legs. And next thing you know, the Grizzlies showed the fight that they've really showed the last two weeks, and it was really kind of a surprise to a lot of people. And Memphis, being such a great basketball city, they've embraced it. They're loving it. They're, they're pretty excited. And I know it's probably not what folks in the Salt Lake City want to hear, but I know that Memphis feels like now they have a chance, and they're, they're fully embracing this as a, as a fun series now. So a lot of things happen in Game 1, and I'm not sure they can recreate itself the way it did in Game 2, but one of the things that I think can happen again, and I'm pretty sure you probably think the same thing, is the stellar play of Ja Morant, because it seems like he's just that good and only getting better. Yeah, obviously, I think the last two games, Ja has really taken on the mantle of it's time to take that leap forward from being a really, really good player rookie of the year to now showing that this is what a star and a potential superstar does. And it's funny that Dylan Brooks was maybe the big takeaway from that game, and yet John Morant still had his fourth quarter closing instincts, and he's shown that well. So it's, it's really fun kind of seeing how he's been able to really keep that up and really even going back to how he played against the Jazz earlier this year. He's been really adept getting to the rim, even with Rudy Gobert. He has no fear, and it just really shows how he's really kind of taken his game to a different level, not showing that fear, being able to go against, you know, go there, get to the paint. And uh, I'd be really curious kind of seeing how the Jazz um, adjust to him now on Wednesday. Yeah, that having no fear thing, I think that's one thing that sticks with everybody watching him play, right? He has no fear. But the Dylan Brooks question, a guy who averages 17 a game goes for 31. Are there some things in the matchup between these two teams that are going to allow him to repeat that, or is that something he does once or twice in a seven-game series and they got to they got to figure out some other ways to win if they're going to prevail in the series? No, I think I think uh, the Jazz have to be ready for Dylan Brooks being that guy. He's he's always been a player that is you know can can catch fire instantly or he can shoot the team out of the game. And the last couple of months, he's really been able to catch fire and get his shot going. And I think with Jaron Jackson back, it frees him up to do a little bit more on the field. But he's also shooting the ball better. better excuse me. Um, it's funny. When the year started, he was shooting career lows. He wasn't able to get on track. It was a liability. Now he's able to kind of you know be that two-way threat that he wants to be. And this is kind of the time of year where he really wants to kind of shine a bit. So he's really – kind of taking that performance that he's had on Sunday, and I think it won't be the last that the Jazz see it. They're going to you know, have to be ready for a, a guy who can be an agitator, who can be a fire starter, who can kind of inspire his teammates with his emotion. And what, I think what everyone saw on Sunday is kind of what the Grizzlies have seen the last two years under Taylor Jenkins, that Dylan Brooks can be that emotional core that the team just rallies around as much as they do Morant. So who is Taylor Jenkins, and where did he come from? <laughs> So it's kind of funny. So Taylor Jenkins was, you know, 
He was a former assistant with Mike Budenholzer in Atlanta and Milwaukee. Um, he's obviously learned from that tree. He's also learned from being with the Spurs as um, coaching in the G League. He actually was um, working with Quinn Snyder down in the G League, actually. So Taylor Jenkins is kind of an interesting guy in the sense that this is really his, his second year as the head man, but he's been trained very well by obviously two very successful coaches in Budenholzer and Popovich. And what he's done is he's kind of got the, the Grizzlies kind of believing in this up-tempo, free-flowing freedom to be themselves, but also give them the freedom to trust each other and trust him, take more threes, run up-tempo, and obviously having a player like John Morant really helps. But what he's done is he's gotten the guys to really just enjoy playing with each other. Like This is really a young, fun bunch. Um, Taylor James has often said that they're all kind of figuring it out together. And they're kind of writing that, you know, emotion of, you know, inexperience, if you will, together. So it's a fascinating journey for Jenkins. And I think you're seeing him kind of learn how to be a coach on this level because, you know, if you would have told me a year ago that the second-year coach, second youngest roster in the NBA would be up 1-0 as an eight seed, I would have said no way up until at least a month ago. So there are a lot of similarities there, and for good reasons, because everybody's roots seem to go back to San Antonio's organization. But the Grizzlies shooting 35% from three. Is that anything that's going to change? Is that something to address in the offseason? Is there any reason to fear that for the Jazz? How's that going to play? Well, I think that's, it's funny because like, this has kind of been like some of the best three-point shooting the Grizzlies have historically had as a team. Like, they've never really been a team that has been, you know, full of shooters, if you will. They've always had maybe one or two guys, like a Mike Miller or a couple guys here and there. But this year they've really started to kind of show signs that the let-it-fly philosophy is growing. So I do think they're going to have to probably keep looking for more shooters. They're nowhere near the Jazz, obviously. I mean, the Jazz have, you know, so many good shooters. Even Mike Connolly is putting up some really good numbers. So I think the Grizzlies definitely want to keep improving on that, and I think it's really going to depend on what John Morant does. His three-point shot has been a issue. It's gotten better the last couple months, but he has to be more consistent with it. But I think that between drafting Desmond Bain, seeing DeAnthony Melvin kind of grow into being a shooter, Grayson Allen found his touch here, um, I think it's going to be something that they really have to develop next year because that's where they can really take a leap and show that they're growing to be a playoff contender, not just a one-year flash in the pan. So it looks like, just looking at their record, that they really got it together as the season progressed, and it's clear that they play, they're playing their best ball now, obviously. Well, what do you think of some of the reasons are for that, that what we've seen and what has transpired? Well, it's funny because April, I think, is when things started to turn around. We all thought at the time that when they were having, they were going to play 11 of those games on the road, we thought that month was going to break them. Like there was going to be just a month where they would have to either find a way to win or the, the, the seven-year road trip they'd be on would just break them down and be completely tired. But they found a way to start that month winning three games on the road, um, including in Philadelphia. That was kind of where things turned around. And what helped them was they started shooting the ball much better. Um, Dylan Brooks started to play much better. And then you see John Morant starting to slowly have games where he's able to take control of the game. He had 35, I think, against uh, Anthony Edwards. He, you know – down more confidence in three-point shots. So I think what, what turned it around was just the Grizzlies, one, embracing the fact that they've become a really good road team, but also the confidence in the shooting, the confidence in guys stepping up, and really just being like understanding that, hey, you know, 
they have all the confidence in the world as a young team. It's time to start showing it. And I think that that Warriors game last week, not the not the playing game, but the regular season finale, I think that game really kind of woke them up to realize, hey, you've got to bring a little another level of intensity and energy, and that's what's really kind of carried them. So I think it's been a combination of them shooting the ball better, understanding that these games are important and not being – and really even last season in the bubble kind of taught them that they need to really learn how to um, adjust. I think it's a combination of all of that. Evan Barnes joining us, Memphis Grizzlies beat writer for the commercial appeal. So how much of a difference do you think the Donovan Mitchell return makes to the way the Grizzlies have to play it, and how much can we not really compare much of what happened in Game 1 to anything going forward with Mitchell on the floor? Well, I think Donovan Mitchell is going to have um, a significant impact. I mean, he scored 70 points in the two games combined against the Grizzlies, and he was – that second game, he was on cops. I mean, he was just lightning up that second game. And I think it obviously makes things different because now the Grizzlies have to account for another score on the floor. You have to make sure that their three-point defense is strong because by accounting for Mitchell, um, they obviously know that Jazz are probably going to shoot better than they did in game one. So it's going to open the floor a whole lot more. I think mean, you know, it's going to test the Grizzlies as a pretty good defense to make sure they stay on point with that. Um, but I do think it'll be really interesting to see kind of how Dylan Brooks defends Donovan Mitchell because um, I, I put up a story today basically where Dylan Brooks did a pretty good job against him in the first game and the second game not so well, but nobody really did well against him. So I will be curious how the Grizzlies defend him, but more so how they adjust to the to the Jazz, you know, shooting better from three. I, I think, you know, it's going to be really interesting. So I think the Jazz really – um, has still have you know, still have an advantage, and it really is up to the Grizzlies to say, all right, how do you weather the storm of Mitchell coming back up and to kind of you know come out the gate shooting, if you will? When they get back to Memphis, what is being allowed in terms of number of fans? So Memphis will have fifty five percent capacity starting Saturday. They announced it on Sunday that that's what the increase will be. So there will be about ten thousand fans in FedEx Forum, which will be kind of a a kind of a continuation from what's going on out there. I know you guys have things have 13,000, so um, Memphis is ready for it. I know uh, Taylor Jenkins and John Morant said this week that they're looking forward to a larger crowd, and this crowd is kind of a, a warm-up for them. But uh, it's going to be really interesting. And Memphis, you know, people saw it on ESPN on, on a Wednesday with the first. The crowd down there is excited. They're ready. They'll be rocking with growl fouls, waving them. You'll be hearing some Memphis music. So uh, it's going to be a fun atmosphere that's going to continue what – They've seen the, the, the first two games in Utah. Does Valanciunas routinely get big guys in foul trouble? He is so big, as one of our guests said. He is girthy. So is he <laughs> going to get a lot of people in foul trouble? Because obviously Rudy Gobert only playing 25 minutes and fouling out. That was a big factor in game one. <laughs> well, that was, the funny thing is that was kind of surprising almost. Like Valanciunas is, is massive. I mean, by the way, whoever said girthy, get, I give them credit. That's a word we don't use that often, but I like that word. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's very, you know, he has the ability to be physical. He, he gets guys where he wants them. And it's funny, I did not expect Gobert to be in foul trouble the way that he was in. And I, I don't expect that to continue um, in game two. But if that happens, I mean, I think that's what Valanciunas wants to do. He wants to take advantage of, you know, using his size and doing what he can. So, um, it'll be really interesting. I think Valanciunas will have a big role this year because he and Gobert almost played to a stalemate in game one, and that's kind of what the Grizzlies hope for, is that when Rudy Gobert is in, they have to find a way to attack and produce because when he's off, 
it's a great advantage for them. So I think Valentinus will have that kind of a big man impact, kind of making this a, a fun traditional series, much of the modern series. Well, Evan, we appreciate the time and a little insight into the Grizzlies. We're looking forward to the rest of this series. Thanks for joining us. Likewise. You guys enjoy as much as we do. Y'all take care. Evan Barnes covers the Memphis Grizzlies for the commercial appeal. Did he change anything you think about this series, PK? You are pondering something you heard, but I don't know what. Well, I'm taking care. You are taking care. Yeah, that was the counsel, and I'm going to do that. Okay. If you don't do that, what difference does it make? You know what I mean? In the end, it's just it's there. It's nothing. So you have to take care. Please so take care. So let's take care of taking care. And then I think that ultimately the Jazz will take care of Memphis. Credit to Mike Smith for girthy. He's a load, that Valenzuelas. Big time. Junis, whatever it is. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, you got to do your homework early on him. <laughs> Beat him to the spot. Uh, yeah, because he gets it, and he can use his body with that little hook shot. And he's got a nice touch around the basket. I say he's got a nice touch, period. And he can he can hit a three, too. So he's a nice player. I don't understand why Toronto traded him for Gasol. Now, they won a title with Gasol, so I guess it worked. Uh, but he's, he's a decent role player for them. He's like, uh, to me, he's a better Nurkic. No, that's a good player then. Yeah, he's good. He's decent. But I think overall, the Jazz have more talent. And if you're going to rely on Brooks doing what he's doing. Now, Brooks, you know, watch him in Oregon. And he was a gamer too. Mm-hmm. So these Pac-12 guys, you know, I have a little bit of uh, history with. And he was, he was one of their guys, obviously. And I like him. And I don't like him to the ability that he showed on Sunday to do it consistently. Because if he does, then they're going to be really tough. Because I guess the, the other guys, to me, didn't really do outside of what they are capable. And I guess that Bain kid, when he hit three of four, two of three from three. So maybe he doesn't do that. The three he uh, had at the end of the uh, third was outrageous. You're just feeling it at that point. Yeah, and Yang gets the T. That was... Strange. It seemed like uh, the Memphis guy looked at, kind of taunted. But nevertheless, I don't know that I can count on that. Uh, but if they repeat that effort, they reprise it, they're going to be tough. Although, even still, if they reprise it, I still think the Jazz can win because I don't think the Jazz played near their level. And I think maybe there was, as Mike Smith was saying, there was some shell shockness yes. of, wait a second, we got Donovan all week and now – Right at the 11th hour, we don't have them. Right. They had all day Saturday to prep, and yeah. all that prep went out the window. And Sunday, the shoot yeah. around. And shoot around Sunday, Sunday. that went out the window, too. You go home to take your nap, and, you know, Joe's probably thinking he's coming off the bench and all. And you know, I don't really want to use it as an excuse, but I think it, it just uh, it threw them off. Well, now they're going to get a jolt. And one thing I wanted to say with Donovan, you know, we talked about his interview yesterday. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate his straightforwardness. Why try to hide stuff? You don't need to reveal everything. And he didn't. But, but don't play cat and, cat and mouse. Yeah, clearly he wanted to play. And he yeah. was kind of, you could kind of feel him preparing to bob and weave. And then he thought, well, what's the point? Everybody knows I want to play. Well, I'll just say I wanted to play. At the start. I'll go straight at it. Here yeah, we go. At the start. He right. made a statement. Yes. Usually they'll go, okay, welcome, Joe. First question. We'll take questions, yeah. Uh, but 
they started to go down that Madeline started to go down the PR lady and they went down and he interrupted and said, I'm, I'm going to make a statement here first. So I'm going to get this out. And I think that's good. Address the issues. It's all out there. And, and now too, with all this media all over the country, it's going to come out within minutes anyway. Somebody's going to say something. There's enough people and there's enough media who want to know that somebody's going to say something. So put it out there and address it. And I really appreciate what he did from a from a journalist standpoint instead of, you know, playing 20 questions. When everybody knows what the questions are and he's obviously media savvy. I mean, we've seen it so many times over. So if you know what the questions are, don't wait for him. Just get out there and answer them. And that's what he did with the opening statement. Just address the elephant that everyone knows is in the room. And then when they do ask follow-ups to the sticky situation, don't take offense. He did. These slobs over here are just trying to do a job. And he said, I know you have a job to do. Yeah, right. But that was also his way of telling you, I know what you want to know, and there's some stuff I'm just not Uh, telling you. I'm not going to give it. And that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Don't don't take offense at the questions, which he didn't. So I really have to grade him out as an A-plus for that Zoom interview that he did. But not a surprising A+. plus. You knew he was media savvy going in. Yeah, he really is, yeah. And he was again. So, All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone, and it is time to welcome in Andrew Reinhardt, Wasatch Medical Clinic. Guys, if you've been struggling with ED, they got a breakthrough treatment. And Andrew, when Cambridge University starts looking at you, now, now be honest, before you get into the, into the selling part of this, when you heard Cambridge was going to study it, was it a little bit that was, you know, getting a little nervous? Like, these are pretty smart people. What are they going to find? Yeah, what if they find something bad or negative? Uh, I didn't hear that they were going to study it ahead of time. I heard about it after it came out, so mm. there was no anxiety. But <laughs> I'm, I'm glad they studied it. And uh, Journal of Sexual Medicine, they've done a study. Therapeutic Advances in Urology, they've studied this technology. And... Basically, in a different way, they've all concluded the same thing. This is a safe and effective treatment for ED. It uses pulsating waves to improve blood flow. Uh, Guys have been using the pill and injections and all kinds of crazy things for ED, but we really need to focus on the blood vessels, on the blood flow. That's the real cause. That's what we're treating and helping so many guys turn back the clock in the bedroom and do it without any side effects. So what kind of patient results are you hearing? What kind of feedback are you getting? Well, it doesn't turn back the clock to 20 years old, but it turns back the clock for a 50-year-old guy to maybe his 30s, for a 70-year-old guy to maybe his 40s. We've seen that time and time again. Patients have described it as life-changing. We've helped a lot of guys. It's working. The science is sound, and it's a great alternative to taking pills. You got a special offer right now. If people call, they get a deal. Yes, call us. It's the first step in reversing the erectile dysfunction. The assessment exam and blood flow ultrasound with our doctor will be no charge. A little gift that produces immediate results in the bedroom. That's worth the appointment in and of itself, guys. And it's all totally free. Call Wasatch Medical right now to claim that offer. 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Andrew Reinhardt, Wasatch Medical Clinic. 801-901-8000. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, guys. Number one. Because your number one preset.
The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Donovan, all all indications were that you were going to play in game one. So I'm wondering, is there any fear that the same thing would happen for game two? No. That's short and to the point right there. He had nothing else to say, and then finally Madeline uh, introduced someone else to ask another question. He ain't got no fear, and I ain't got no fear. And I believe the prediction is he'll be introduced fifth in the starting lineup, and the place will go bazonkers. Now that's even a higher level of berserk and bonkers. Bazonkers. Yeah, you got your bonkers and berserk, and then you raise up the stakes and you get bazonkers. It's a new word. I'm always up for making up new words. We made up a few of them here on the air. I just hope that if that happens, jazz fans aren't set up for anticipation. No. no, no. You anticipate, but then you're disappointed. Disappointed at what? Well, obviously the loss. That was, I mean, they had to suffer through the. Anticipation in game one. No, not this time around. I wouldn't think so, but I didn't think so in game one either. Of course, I, I didn't know Donovan was going to be scratched late. Okay, but you did, so once the game started, you knew well before. Yeah, and I still thought they were going to win. And then it all fell apart in the second I, and third quarters. I think they were going to roll over Memphis anyway. Memphis is an emerging team. They're going to be fun to watch over these next few years. Uh, so, and Taylor Jenkins, he's right there. I mean, their youngest, the second youngest, whatever they are. And Taylor Jenkins, 36 years old. So, you got Brad Jones on the staff. Brad used to work here. Yep. Taylor they, Jenkins is two years older than I am. Taylor Jenkins, Brad Jones, and Quinn Snyder all coaching that yeah. Austin thing. Yep, Austin Toros. Uh, so, they're, they're, a, they're a decent ball club. I felt that they would be more difficult to handle than the Warriors. I was rooting for the Warriors from the Jazz perspective. I thought the Warriors would be easier to beat. So they won a ball game. I would have gone into the series. I would have said they would have won a ball game. Yes, but not game one. Yeah, but I didn't know Mitchell wasn't going to play. True story. So now Mitchell's back. He's back. The prodigal son has returned. He's back. They should shoot the three a little better. I'm Gobert go should kill play more than nine fatted DJs. Go hey now. Gobert <laughs> should shoot more than twenty five or play more than twenty five minutes. Can we find ninety nine of those? Oh yeah. Gotta clone me. <laughs> There'll be a cloning. You can clone me. I don't care. Ninety nine though. I mean, you'll have to do it pretty fast. I mean, the 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 cloners will have to go bazonkers. Well, you're a cloner of a lonely heart. Cloner of a lonely. <laughs> The prodigal son has returned to the starting lineup and to the lineup in general. <laughs> That's how he should be introduced. <laughs> Out of Louisville, the prodigal son. <laughs> the place goes bazonkers. <laughs> Someone called Dan, get him on that. Dan. He's returned. Ad-lib this in, Dan. Dwayne Wade going nuts. 
Yeah, we can see it now. Right? Dwayne Wade going to go nuts over one home playoff win in the first round? He's going to go nuts over some big dunk that Mitchell's going to have. Because he's going to be jacked. And adrenaline is going to be throwing, flowing through his body. And he's already athletic. And though, so it's going to add to it. So he's going to have some massive go down the lane, get out of my way, posterization, and throw it down. And the place is going to go bazonkers. And they're going to flash to Dwayne Wade. And he's going to pump his fists. You watch. All right, look for your bazonkers moment, people, and tweet at us when you see it. Oh, it'll be there. We want that. Hit us up. Yeah. Bazonkers. Make it happen. Right. Maybe it's a lob pass from Joe or something. He gets a little opening. He either comes from the side, from the baseline, or from down the middle. And when he comes from down the middle, he drops that thing back to like, uh, you know, six o'clock on the clock and just wheelhouse dunk. You've seen it. He's he's gonna Donovan Mitchell's gonna make a statement. Donovan Mitchell is a player, man, and he's a player that rises to the occasion. Well, the Jazz could use a little rise in the occasion and get everyone you going. You know how bizarre. I felt about when I when I interviewed Gobert that first time. He was yeah, I remember back. you coming back and saying, uh, "I know he's raw, and I know it's, but man, he's intense. Yeah, he's got an edge. Right, he's from the Jersey portion of France." Yeah, whatever that is. I don't know what it is. And, and, <laughs> what just outside of Paris? And we probably really, uh, and the whole, outside of New the York. The purpose of the interview was to get to know the guy, and it wasn't really relative to basketball. That's when I first did the, the did with Joe. Talked about who you are, mm-hmm. uh, and just talking to Rudy who he is, and so it just really just screamed at me. And I came back and I told you. Yep. And I feel the same. There's a different type of feeling, but the same type of. Uh, I don't know what it is, aura, emotion with Donovan as far as him being a big-time player. I, I'm not just saying it. I really feel that he can be a big-time player on the biggest stage. Do you think Quinn went bazonkers when somebody told him on Sunday after the shoot-around and after the practice and after all the film? No. What? I think he was disappointed, but I think he knew that time was short and I got to go to work. Minimizing the bazonkerness. Yeah, you can't have your leader be disoriented. No, and he knows, and no one knows that. that. I mean, that's like in his wheelhouse to think that. Right. Like if I go out there rattled and panicked, they're just going to feed off my energy, and everything's going to go wrong. Exactly. So, no, I think he like what the heck. Uh, But then quickly, okay, here's my job. I got to figure this out. And so I just got to go to town here and get. Get our team, get myself ready, get because he's he's the leader of everybody, you know that is not in the front office. Everybody who's on that bench, all those people, I got so many assistant coaches and assistants to the assistants, as Jacques was saying earlier. Mm-hmm. I can't even name them all. Well, he's the leader of all those guys, right. all the development guys, yeah. the trainers, and blah, so blah, blah. I mean he's basically like a football coach now with all the players it's and staff. There. It's getting there. <laughs> it have. is getting there. More <laughs> that CEO role. Yeah. And so he's I think he rolled up his sleeve, so to speak, and just went to work. And can't like he said, I'm the coach of the team. That's my focus. That's what he was saying yesterday. People were trying to hit him up. Now I think he knows more than he wanted to say. 
certainly. Oh, without question. So he may not be privy. He, he may he, not be privy to the details that were being made, but I think he knows the story. But what's he, the point now? And Donovan nothing's both. gonna change. Yeah. So it's all and I get their focus is game two. What's the you can go back, well, they did something stupid. No, they were right. They were right. None of that matters anymore. Yeah, but I think they already feel the pressure like, well, you got to win game two. You can't give up two home games to start a series. So No, then all the detractors are going to come out of places that we didn't even know existed. There's never been more pressure on the Utah Jazz in a playoff game than Wednesday night in the history of the franchise. How's that for drama? Game six of the NBA Finals at home? You're playing Jordan. You're supposed to lose. <laughs> You're playing Jordan, man. It's your second shot at it. Who thought you were going to beat Jordan? Who beat Jordan in the Finals? Nobody. Nobody. So but at I the think time, that, it was feeling like there was a shot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm talking about... How about game five at home the previous year? 2-2. You just won two home games, and you're up by 17 in the game five. And he had the flu. He might, he might have had COVID. We didn't even know it. Oh. <laughs> wow. 22 years before it became a thing. So, I mean, he's Jordan. Maybe in the moment you're right. I agree with you. But looking back, who's beating Jordan? I mean, 22 years later, we have a big 10-part documentary on it. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Games get, well, I could just sit here and list big playoff games. Let's not do that. Um, game seven, Western Conference Finals felt like their best and last shot. The, the window's closing. Now, they went the next two years, but we didn't know that when they were playing game seven in Seattle. Yeah, in the window was closing, but it wasn't shut. You're just closing it because right. each year they were, the statues were yeah. a year older. Yep. But Letter Carrier had it going on, man. I mean, for uh, as old as he was, now LeBron probably is going to top it, but I can make a statement that... He's the best old player in the league. Yeah, I mean, he was really, really good at an advanced age. There's no doubt about it. And obviously the way he took care of himself was unparalleled. So you can see... uh, I mean, the, the, the best two accomplishments by older players, Mickelson won, Malone two. (laughs) And Tom Brady gets all this run, but he's not even on the field half the time. (laughs) Kareem was pretty good. He was pretty good late. Uh, Pretty good, but a shell of himself. That's just because earlier he was awesome. Right, but even as late as... uh, He's still a shell of himself. But he was good. 85, he wasn't a shell of himself. The back-to-back in 87 and 88, I get your point. He was more role player at that point. Still good, but he's also awesome. I think he's the most underrated superstar in NBA history. With six MVPs. He gets yet, no run. underrated. Yes, he gets no run and for the greatest. I'll never understand that. I'll never understand why he isn't brought up as a legitimate contender for the GOAT. But nobody does it. I don't know if it's because he was a sourpuss or what. But uh, probably a little bit of that, and then you get overshadowed by magic. I, I don't think he should. I get it, but there it is. whatever statistic you wanted, he's got. But yet he's never mentioned. He's the most underrated superstar, first ballot Hall of Famer in the history of sport. 
I think I think he was awesome until about uh, thirty eight. After thirty eight, then it then the thirty eight. Okay, I duh. Know. Right. Yeah. You ought so, to be. So LeBron is trying to get into Malone Kareem territory. Yeah, I, I would throw Caldwell Jones up there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just love when you just start like just go back into your youth and just start just start ripping out names and nobody's thought of forever. A big chunk of our is like who <laughs> who Caldwell Jones. Oh, there's people in cars right now. Who? No way. Yeah. No. Oh, they're going bazonkers. No, this is a who? basketball town. They know full well. Caldwell Jones, Moses Malone. Moses Malone played here, didn't he? He did. Yeah. Come on. ABA days. Right. That's the American Basketball Association. Fact. All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, your feedback. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time for your feedback. Everything you think about the show and about the Jazz and Grizzlies. And Yak is smiling in there. Yak, you like this guy, don't you? He's fun. You got a Memphis Grizzly fan on the line. It's called in a few different times. Kurt, good morning. You're on the air with DJ and PK. Good morning, fellas. First of all, I want to let you know, in secret, every Grizzlies fan is a Utah Jazz fan. We die hard with Mike Conley, no matter what. Second of all, do not sleep on this Memphis Grizzlies team. We've had 12 game, different game-high scores. Our best can beat anybody in the league. It's just a matter of do you get the best because we're a young team. And also, Donovan Mitchell coming back, we dealt with the same thing with Jerry Jackson Jr., our second-best player. And he is a fraction of what he was. You might not get the best Donovan Mitchell up until the second round. Just want to let you know that. It might take a while to get him back. That thing has been playing without him. Please put me on hold so I can listen. All right. Thanks a lot. Well, I think that he does say something a lot of Jazz fans have wondered. What? Mitchell's been out for five weeks. Does he come back and hit the ground running and he's great yeah, right he away? He's ready to go. Yes. Jaron Jackson is not the same caliber player. And I thought it was a mis- meniscus with him. I didn't, maybe I'm wrong. I didn't think it was the same injury. And he was out much, much longer. Mitchell's been practicing for a week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah much, much to his consternation. Yeah. So I'm not sure I buy that. And I told you earlier. And I don't Mitchell think it comes down. what it takes. It doesn't come down just to Donovan. Rudy playing 35 minutes instead of 25, not fouling out, not being in foul trouble. That can change the game. Not shooting 25.5% for three can change the game. sixth man of the year. Right. He and, sucked. And Yang was one for six. That's like almost like one for 15. Almost. Yeah. If you add in Mione's miss, then the bench was one for 15. Well, any shots he takes, add them as misses. Mione's minutes are going away with Donovan coming back. Nothing against him. But he's not, a, he's not in the league to shoot corner threes. You got to shoot him if you're open. Uh, so yeah, all signs are pointing to the Jazz. I'm 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 like ten minutes away from guaranteeing that they win. <laughs> <laughs> you saving it for Scotty and Hans' show, huh? or you're just gonna share it with yourself in your car driving away after the show? <laughs> well, we're at it. We're done at ten, and it's nine fifty-five. No, tomorrow. That was the whole point. Tomorrow. Okay. See if I do it tomorrow. All right. I may go Joe Namath. <laughs> tomorrow. Okay, yeah, that would be the same thing. <laughs> Any other guarantees out there? Uh, you're going to do it poolside? 
With Brent Musburger. With Brent Musburger, right? End of the chair. Uh, fly me to Miami, and I, w- I would love to do it poolside. Yeah. A lot of people tweeting at us, Jazz fans against racism, says, I hope Donovan stays healthy, and I wish I'd bought tickets to game two instead of to game one. Well, stay with us tomorrow, because we're giving away a pair tomorrow. You two forgot that, but not me. Admit it. You both you both forgot it. I've I have them in my possession, so I you forgot them. it. He he. he I never even knew. <laughs> yes, I told did. you yesterday about that. Well, maybe, but I forgot. So then, as far right. as I know, I never knew. <laughs> and truth be told, I forgot until right now. <laughs> well, tomorrow will be fun to give them. Don't away pull the curtain all the way back. <laughs> tomorrow we're giving away jazz tickets to see. And at the guard from Louisville, number forty-five, Donovan. <laughs> you can't even hear Mitchell. Why? Because they go bazonkers. Yeah. <laughs> Got a lot of people still weighing in on the question of the day. Donovan says he could have played in game one. He totally believes that. Uh, but he says he's good to go for game two. And what do you make of all of this? And Dustin says, it's a wound, but not a wound that winning wouldn't heal. So it's not a fatal wound, no. Just win, it's baby. It's a scab. Will Donovan be effective at putting the ball through the ring? Only time will tell, Quinny Ute says. Can you, Quinny Ute, you're wrong. He will be effective. <laughs> what do you think? And Gecko, not appropriate for me to share. <laughs> Save it. Don't let that out there. All right, time to welcome in Andrew Reinhardt. Wasatch Medical Clinic. And Andrew, you got a breakthrough treatment. Forget about the pills, the injections, and the surgery. What can you tell us about it? That's right. If you're out there struggling with ED, and maybe, you know, you think ED is something only 90-year-old guys get, uh, but you've got a little frustration in the bedroom. Things aren't working like they used to. Maybe you're younger than you think you should be to, uh, to be experiencing this. It's so normal. Wasatch Medical has helped a lot of guys just like you repair the blood vessels with our acoustic wave therapy, improve circulation in this part of the body, and like you said, no pills, no injections. This is really all about on-demand function and spontaneity, and we've helped a lot of guys achieve that. So what are the top causes of ED? We see diabetes, prostate issues uh, over and over again, but we also see really healthy young guys. Um, One of the leading causes is damaged blood vessels and restricted blood flow. So we know that erectile dysfunction is a blood flow problem. That's what our treatments really focus on instead of focusing on the symptoms like what the pills do. So you got a special offer for our listeners here at the end of the show. We do. Last segment, call us the assessment exam. The blood flow ultrasound will be free. You'll get that gift that guys love. It produces immediate results in the bedroom, and it's all totally free. All right. You can call 801-901-8000 and get a hold of Andrew at Wasatch Medical Clinic right now. 801-901-8000. Take that free offer. Claim it right now at 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Really appreciate it, guys. Thank you. All right. Scotty and Hans are coming up next.